we deal with this idea of persecution and, and throughout all of Scripture. Uh, we talk about how we have it easy here in America. And then when things start to come in, it seems like we want to, to get soft. And I'm talking about all of us. This isn't any one direction. It's like, hey, Simon, you're getting a little soft over there with your gospel presentation. Or, or hey, uh, sister, you're, you're getting... We, especially here in the States, have become, uh, it, it's just so easy, right? We've, we've got so much freedom here that any kind of opposition feels like maybe we are doing something wrong. But that's not true. We are going to face opposition, right? Um, it, it doesn't take much to, to remind us that the things um, that our faith will bring upon us as far as persecution still happens today in the world and end times tells us that it's going to happen to the church, that the church is going to face, and it doesn't matter what corner of the earth you're in, you're going to face deep persecution. And probably, if we make it to the end times, if we're, if we're living literally in those, those last seven, then we're going to see these things unfold before our very eyes, and not just on videos sent in by terrorist organizations around the world. If you all remember a, a few years ago, I don't need to get into the details, but to remind you of, of not random people across the world, but brothers and sisters of the faith being killed on beaches because they were told, deny Jesus, and they refused. Those brothers and sisters lost their life here, but they were given their life that God had began before the foundation of the world. In so we see here in, in Acts chapter 4, where we're, where we're getting to this point, is that, that Peter and John are now facing that moment. Let me connect these dots. Maybe, maybe we're thinking this council isn't as mean. This is the same council that just months before, just a, a, a couple months, had, did, had um, taken Jesus and put him on the cross. It's the same people. Look at um, here in verse 6. You see Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander. Actually, when you go back and you read for in Jesus as his account, when he's going before the council, Caiaphas was the high priest, and Annas would be kind of like the power behind that. So they're the same people who had just put Jesus on trial and did not like the things that Jesus was doing, and they killed him, right? So this isn't a different council. Let's connect those dots. This isn't far removed. It's not like years down the road where it's like, didn't we have a guy that kind of did the same thing? I think so, but this seems a little, this was just, just before this. And it's the same people. And again, Acts is showing us that the gospel is continuing through God's people, and it's coming to a point where they are going to face the same persecution that Jesus did and become the, the early martyrs of the early church. But nothing was going to stop them from sharing the gospel. So church, our faith may get us killed, but our Savior will give us life. First thing I want to look at is, is to use our platform. We should use our, our platform. A lot of us don't believe that we've been given a platform in life, but believe me, if anybody's in your life, you've been given some sort of platform. Now, those platforms change depending on maybe what political position or authority you've been given, right? We, we know that they've got a great platform. If you've ever played any kind of sports, you've got a certain kind of platform. Um, if you have a, a girls group or a guys group of people who come over and if you work on cars or um, you, you work on recipes or you work on being a better dad or a better mom with other people of like faith you've got some kind of platform and you have some kind of influence right 
And that's what they do here. Peter and John are using that platform that they had been given in this moment. And it says that as, as they were speaking to the people, right? So back in the chapter 3, they're, they're telling of the resurrection of the dead, which, by the way, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, those who were a part of the religious council, did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. So this was controversial. This was, this was something that went against what they were teaching and would have taken away their power if people began to believe in the resurrection of the dead. Now imagine someone taking your power from you because your power is built on a lie. Because we believe in the resurrection. Amen, church? We believe that we too will be raised in Christ if indeed Christ is in us. So they're teaching these things. And it says they're speaking and the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching these things. They were teaching people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in the custody until the next day, for it was already evening. People had already believed this number starting to build up, right? We had seen 3,000 before. We see 5,000 come to faith here. On the next day, they gather together. They start to have this actual um, trial for these guys. And they set them in the midst, and they ask this, by what power, by what name did you do this? I want to throw Esther 4.14 up. Now, Peter, remember Peter denying Jesus. A significant detail here would have been in Peter's denial was before a little girl, right? Just a little girl. Like, imagine Maylee coming up to me and, and punking me out, right? She says, Dad, you won't do that. And I'm like, Haley, like, you know, I, I, I can shoot like three pointers. Like, I'm really good. And, you know, I'm like really strong. And Maylee's like, you're not strong. And I'm like, like, be quiet. Like, Peter was denying Jesus not before some rulers or authority, but before a little girl. And then we see here that he's challenged by the Sanhedrin, the religious council. And he could have backed down. He could have given up. But something really interesting in the story of Esther that teaches us that we should take our moment and use our platform says this. For if you keep silent at a time, uh, at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to this kingdom for such a time as this. Now we hear that verse a lot, for such a time as this, right? And it, it tries, it's like that hype up moment. But what's great about that passage lies before that when Mordecai is telling Esther that, that maybe you've been given this position to speak up for God's people now. And what he assures Esther is that God's plan is going to happen and God's plan, people are going to be delivered. But wouldn't you want the people to be delivered because you use your influence? Now, if God wants to get the gospel to the person we're unwilling to share it with because we're cowarding up, God's going to get it to them. But we have been given a command to be bold in our faith, to share it and to not back down. God will get the message to them. And here's this challenge for, for Peter. Is Peter going to cower again, as he did before, they're going to speak up. They ask him this, by what power, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
This isn't something new. We've seen the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter is now full of the Holy Spirit. But we have these moments, church, and you all know it, when, when God is giving us the words to say and the things to do. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, boldly speaks and says, rulers of the people and elders, if we were being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. Look at him speaking this message to their rulers. Using his platform, they want to know, why did you do this? And instead of giving them, did it because Jesus told us to do it. He begins to rebuke them and point and still pin the blame of Jesus's death on the cross on them, whom they crucified, who they tried to get rid of, whom God raised from the dead. Yeah, by the way, you heard us in the streets talking about the resurrection of the dead. Let me make it very clear for you too and for the people in the back. Jesus was raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead. And it is by him, by Jesus, this man is standing before you well. And this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there's salvation and no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now he is walking them through this progression, teaching them that they have denied the resurrection, they have denied their Lord Jesus, and that their hope is only in Jesus. If they are going to get out of the pit of hell that they've dug themselves into with their depravity, then they are going to need to profess faith in Jesus. And he even goes back to point them to the scriptures which they claim to believe. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. I believe that's Psalm 118.22 that he's quoting from. Paul deals with this in, in Romans 9, talking about um, the stone that was rejected by the builders. He says, you are those people. You've been reading this scripture all along, and now you need Jesus. You need to profess faith in Jesus, and it's always been about Jesus. Peter is, is using his platform, not regarding and not caring for the fact that he may die for being faithful to this message. He may be beaten. Let's, let's take it back from the extreme. Maybe, maybe we won't die, right? Maybe we will never experience that in our own life. But there's a chance that people will beat us. There's a, a chance that people, and we'll get in our emotions here, will delete us from Facebook. There's a chance that they never want to hear another word from us and they'll, they'll completely block us out and isolate us from their life. But for the sake of the gospel, it's okay. Faithfully proclaim this message. And maybe you think, I can't do that. Look at the, the boldness. Well, let me remind you that it says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you saved? Have you repented of your sin and believed in the gospel, then you have the Holy Spirit. We'll get into next week praying for boldness and how we should be doing that because the Spirit dwells inside of us who believe, but will give us boldness as we ask for it. God says to pray for wisdom and it will be given. But this wasn't about their power. It was about the fact that Peter was close to God. Second thing I want to talk about. 
One, he's filled with the Spirit, so literally God is dwelling inside of him, giving him the words to say. But also look at this in verse 13. Now when they saw the what, church? Boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and recognized that they had been with Jesus. You did not go up to those who were a part of the Sanhedrin. You were some fishermen and talk with authority. Do we have any, any folks that like the office? Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Or our church ain't sanctified yet. We need to like the office around here. Well, there's this one episode. I, I won't give the whole synopsis of, of the office. We can do without that um, for this specific scene. But you have this scene where this new uh, CEO, Joe, comes in, and, and she's sitting down. She's getting ready to leave again. She's down in Florida. This paper business is up in Pennsylvania. Michael Scott is the regional manager, and he's always making things awkward. Uh, it's like really like a lot of tension there. Like when he says things, you're like, but that's really funny because comedy. And then you have Daryl, who's the warehouse manager, right? And I used to work in a warehouse. I know what it's like. You go into the corporate offices, and you're like kind of tuck your shirt in a little bit. You want to fit in a little bit better because you're like, I'm just a lowly like warehouse worker. Well, she, the CEO asks, she says, hey, does anybody have any ideas? And he's, Daryl, the warehouse manager says, yeah, actually, I've got an idea where we can start selling paper while we're out on the road making deliveries. And she says, that's a great idea. You have like any more information on that? He's like, yeah, I got a drawing here. And Michael Scott says, oh, that's cute. You know, like we'll put that up on the refrigerator. Right? We'll, we'll take your little drawing of your like, little plan to make the business lots of money, and we're going we're gonna to put that on the refrigerator. That's a, that's a great idea, right? And everybody just kind of is like, it's tight. It's like this tension. And she's like, shut up, Michael. He's got this actually a really good idea. And that's the world that we live in, that there's these levels of, hey, you have to be up here before you can talk to those who are up here. And you've got to be even higher if you plan to talk to those who are higher. And that's not how it goes with the Bible. That's not how it goes within Christianity. As long as we continue to look at levels of Christianity and we've got to be this high before we can go and have lunch with one of the pastors and we've got to be this high before we can actually disciple somebody and we've got to be this high before we can ever lead a group and this high before we can ever... We're never going to do anything. But when we begin to realize that the power comes from God and that being close to God will help us in moments of need... And we'll start to get somewhere. They didn't see that Peter and John were educated and trained men. It says the opposite. They knew that they were common and uneducated. But the message wasn't doubted. It blew them away that these men spoke with authority when no other people, no other fishermen would have done that. So it says now when they see these things, they recognize that they had been with Jesus. Now when we go out and we share the gospel, can people tell that we know the Lord and that we've been with the Lord? Now not walking with him, right? Like we don't, we haven't like physically held Jesus' hand and walked down the street with him to ask him the questions that we've needed to ask. We've never high-fived him. But he's given us his spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us everything that we need to be close to him. Now do people know that we're close to him? Now, our boldness and our faithfulness will represent that. Think about the, the weeks where it's like, 
Uh, you just slipped up a little bit. Maybe you're like the all-star Christian. You typically read your Bible a lot. But then you have that week where you dip down. You're not as bold. You don't feel as confident. You feel like you're lacking a little bit. But it says that they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men. That is great news for us, especially when, when we feel like we have to achieve these certain accolades. We have to have a certain resume to be able to go and to share this good news. Just not true. Look at Matthew chapter 10. It'll be up on the screen. Matthew 10, verse 19, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Now, the apostles were given direct commands. The disciples were, were given this um, this piece of encouragement from the Lord, Jesus himself, telling them that they are going to have to carry this message. And when you go to carry this message, don't worry about what you're going to say, for it will be given to you. Now, I don't know if you all have ever had that moment where you're like, I really don't know what I'm going to say to this person. I need to say something. And that's the Peter moment here. It's not that you, ne you didn't have the Spirit. It's that the Spirit is, is filling you up the subsequent infilling, per se, and telling you and teaching you what you should say in that moment, giving you the words and the boldness to deliver the message to that person. We rely on ourselves far too much. The Bible teaches us to rely on God. It tells us to do something, but it tells us to rely on God because it's God's power in and through his people. And that's good and that's encouraging. Hopefully that's encouraging to you today who, who have thought, I don't know what I'm going to say in that moment. I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like maybe the church needs to have some kind of training program. And we will do that. But we could train you. We could train you and train you. But if you don't feel this message, you will not deliver this message. The moment that you were saved was the moment you were given a message and a mouth to deliver the word that was delivered to you. Now, we have to dive in deeper when we want to talk about things of, of the future of Israel. We've got to dive deeper when we talk, talk about certain doctrines or if we want to better understand the Trinity. But when it comes down to sharing faith in Jesus, you need to be saved. When you, when you feel the joy of being given new life, then you should feel the joy to share the message of new life. That joy should never go away message should never become stale because that good news is sustaining you the moment of your salvation to the end of our days here God will raise us will raise us but don't back down the next thing I want to look at they see these things they see the man who was healed standing beside them they had nothing to say in opposition like what do you say when a man who is who is Crippled for 40 years is now walking. It's like, I mean, are, are we going to kill them because of this man? Like, there's 5,000 new believers because God did something through this miracle to, to display his glory. Now, people have repented and believed, 
They're now believers, 5,000 of them standing around who saw this, and we're going to execute these men. They had nothing to say in opposition. They confer together saying, what shall we do? Because there's been a notable sign performed through them, and it's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. They wanted to silence the gospel. Okay, maybe we can't execute or charge them because the sign is, is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, but we're going to silence. Let's stop it. Remember when the tomb was rolled away and the, the body wasn't found and the guards were told to do what? Tell no one and say that his body was taken by one of his friends, right? They tried to stop the actual message. They tried to silence the gospel and silence the name of Jesus, but they couldn't. Here they are again, scheming against God and his people. So they called them together and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now this is where it gets tense for us, church, because when we're, we're given this from authority, do we back down because authority tells us to do so? Just because these, these officials who have been given authority tell us that we can't speak in the name of Jesus, if, if the government came down on us right now and said we can't speak in the name of Jesus, do we say, Romans 13, we can't speak in the name of Jesus? By no means. And when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way, or sorry, let me back up. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must Judge, for we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. That could have been last week. Thir further threatened them. They let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. The man was 40 years old. Church, our faith may get us killed. But John Piper says this, the presence of hope and the invincible sovereignty of God drives out. When we have hope in a sovereign God, then we have no fear for anything man can throw us. Church, God knows my last hour. And it may be speaking up my faith, maybe getting hit with a softball today. I don't know. I don't know what my future holds for me other than my future is secure because of Jesus Christ. And that message is what everybody needs to hear, those who are fearful of, of going out and getting hit by a ball, anything, being taken out by a virus. You need to hear the good news of Jesus. And it doesn't matter what authority, who they are, or what they tell us, when it comes to the gospel, shall not be silent. Be encouraged that your faith may indeed get you killed. Now that's the extreme side of it. It could just lead to you getting blocked on Facebook. But your Savior will give you life. Surely be rewarded for your faithful gospel. I want to end here with 1 Peter chapter 3, 13 through. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. 
But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. We should always be prepared to give a defense for our faith. And if you want to know how to do that by topics, then you can join Pastor Gary for uh, Summer of Apologia here at the church on Sunday evenings starting in June. But regardless, being ready to give a defense for your faith, why do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? Tell people. Why do you believe in Jesus? Tell people. Use your platform. Remain close to God and to one another because God has not told us to go out and do this alone and, and feel horrible about it and just deal with it. He says that we should be bearing one another's burdens, going out and doing the work with one another, laboring with one another, caring for one another. Don't back down. Notice Peter writes that after all of this experience. One of the things he tells us with gentleness and nothing but gentleness and respect. Not backing. Church, if anybody ever tells us that, I will not. Will not back down to the gospel because the gospel that's given me life, life that I will enjoy for all of eternity. God and his good grace. Father God, thank you for your word this morning, and I pray that you would just go ahead and correct any of my foolishness. God, that your word would resonate. In our pray that we would see the need to, to remain bold and faithful, knowing that we really don't know what our faith, being faithful to your word, may bring to us. It could ultimately bring death. But we know that we've found life. We've been given life through your Son, by your grace. So help us to hold on to that. Help us to cling on to that. In the moments of trial, in the moments of persecution, God, that, that we would remain steadfast in our walk with you, God. Pray that you would just you would lead us, God, and in those moments, you would give us the words to say. Lord, that we wouldn't lean on our own understanding. We would rest in the joy that we've been given in you, eternal joy. God, that we would not rest on our own words. Lead us together as we leave here this morning. God, that we would go and, and do life together. We would be on mission together. We would care for one another, bear one another's burdens. We would rejoice with those who rejoice and always remain faithful the gospel. You be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray.